0: welcome to Mirfield. it has been entirely too long um actually it's been like two weeks welcome to the first show of 2023 welcome to the prestigious feelies award episode combined with the black monday episode um we had a, a lot to to get into mostly but not only but the reason we we weren't here last week so we're gonna do that here in a little bit um but yeah we'll get got some news to get into um a lot of coaching stuff to get into and then uh our superlative fuelies uh the fuelies this year are presented by the ff face off so thank you to them for uh sponsoring the tw- trophies that we don't have
1: look at you right off the bat for, yeah killing it at first of the year uh, doing
0: it no, right no proud of those guys uh uh aaron doing a, a good job with that trophy sponsorship that he doesn't know he's sponsoring <laughs> they, they, they great never, job buddy good job never been real but yeah presented by the Face Off. uh those other beautiful voices you hear dan thury ryan minor gentlemen what's up guys you can follow them at beerfield Thury at ryan minor underscore ffp you can follow me at beerfield hop with two p's and the show at beerfield podcast
1: did i miss I anything? With that some days so i always say oh, like, i always no. say beautiful fantasy and i keep backspacing and put podcast we're
0: probably i'll I'll be completely honest with you production we haven't done that that. we're gonna change it back so it's more findable even if we don't always talk fantasy i'd rather i i'd rather be searchable and discoverable for that than, uh you know the other way around where nobody has a freaking You're just in a black hole basically (laughs) yeah you're well i mean we're like 25th on the list of sports podcasts or something like that just because the amount of content that we pump out but still um just a listener's thing we tried it for a couple years and it's just is better off for us if we we go back since it's mostly what we talk about and if we do an episode without it well it's still some bs too
1: we're gonna have fun every once in a while
0: oh we're going to we're gonna have a lot of fun Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun today so let's go ahead and get right into it what's fueling beer fuel? and now we'll go ahead and start i have a fun not a fun beer but a fun name on the beer kind of a fun beer if you like beer beer um this is uh blind pigs i hate illinois nazis it is a Czech style dark lager uh <laughs> from blind pig brewing company out of Champaign, illinois so um yeah review about halfway through the show. So, Czech-style dark lager. It's a Czech lager, but dark.
1: Dark. Interesting. Well, it's a dark label on it. Yeah, it's a
0: a cool label.
1: Oh, yeah. Blues Brothers.
0: Yeah. Blues Brothers, and it's called I Hate Illinois Nazis. Anyway, whoever wants to go next. It's Feely's time, which means
2: you got to bust out some dark shit, some barrel day shit, and some shit that's from last year. So this is uh one of the bur one of the uh the Bourbon County stout variants. This is from last year. This is the uh this is the one that's finished in brand cherry woods and in, 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 uh brand cherry wood uh barrels. Wow, can't talk. Um, so yeah, it's a barrel aged stout, finished in cherry wood barrels
1: sweet sounds good i have athletic brewing company run wild ipa it is a non-alcoholic brew so i'm kind of curious to see how it actually tastes oil alert it's it it tastes like beer
0: dry january i'm sorry dry january
1: no no i bought it i was like i want to try this and then i was like oh let's try it on the show
0: i really think it's a good idea to feature some non-alcoholic beers just because we know from having guests on and being you know people and stuff that not everybody drinks so
2: it's it's almost like it's almost like I just did a massive NA craft brewery launch in Missouri this month.
0: <laughs> oh that too. Who'd you With launch? Big drop. Oh yeah I had him, I've had him, on the, had him on the show. Yep. I remember. Their shit is nice. very good. I feel like I can't find some of the notes I made. We'll we'll figure that one out here in a minute. Um all right, cool. Let's go ahead and get into the news and I'll look for my shit later. That deserves a drop, right? I think that deserves a drop. We're doing drops today.
1: Most Absolutely. Days.
0: News. Cool. And I find the notes I was looking for so I can be here now again. All right. Um, Starting off uh i said we'd address why we weren't here last week so we'll go ahead and address why we weren't here last week so um i admittedly did not see and we'll give you updates too although i'm the world's been paying attention uh i admittedly was not watching the game when the damar hamlin stuff happened i knew about it immediately because everything started blowing up um i knew as soon as i saw you know the they were doing CPR on the field that it was, was not good because like most people, that is something that I have never seen or heard of happening before. Um, Dan was, was pretty jarred by it Um, as I think a lot of people were that watch it in real time that watch that unfold. Anybody with, you know, you can numb yourself probably a little bit if you don't see the clip, if you don't see the whole thing unfold, if you're just kind of hearing about it, but watching that live, Um, had a lot of effects across the NFL, across the industry. And Dan's immediate reaction was, I don't want to record this week. It doesn't feel right until we know what's, what's going on. It doesn't feel right to, to talk about it. There was anger after the NFL tried to restart the game. And I think there's at least three times a season, but none bigger than this one. When we're like, man, fuck the NFL. I don't even want to talk about their product. Um, this being that, um, I kind of tossed it out is a general rule. This is something that is probably a good thing to follow, but that I've I've learned in the last couple of years was really bad at it before, which is uh you know, big or small, don't make decisions on emotion, give it twenty-four hours. So it was, you know, obviously it was Monday night when that happened. Um and so we gave it till Wednesday and still didn't feel quite right about doing an episode. So we just we didn't do it. Um, brought it back this week. News obviously has been very, very positive. Um, you know, multiple heroes, true heroes involved um on that athletic training staff. Uh that executed the plans and what they were supposed to do flawlessly. Unprecedented situation with fantasy championships and with, you know, playoffs and and everything like that. And I don't know that you know because we missed last week we don't really need to get into heavy how to resolve leagues cuz most of them are going to be resolved uh but Demar Hamlin back in Buffalo uh said to be discharged here here soon uh fully neurologically intact uh and seems to be kind of a freak accident
1: yeah he just got hit in the chest at the right like in the right exact spot and it was like hard because like my son and I were both watching that game cuz he's so huge in football like I am and he goes dad what just happened i go I think he just passed out. Like, I didn't want to like tell him like, you know, like yeah, I said, cause hard. when I saw, when I saw him collapse like that, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy just went into cardiac arrest. Cause I have seen that before.
0: Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. Cause he pops up like you normally would after making a tackle and like arm taps a guy and then just down.
1: Yeah. Like goes to his helmets, gets ready to take a, a step and you just see him freeze and then arms just drop and he drops and the ref just like, what the hell just happened?
0: Yeah.
2: It's one of the, it's, Legitimately, just watching it. That's just watching it live. <laughs> like you've seen that happen so much, right? Generally, it's a concussion, mm-hmm. obviously, which is obviously a very you know very dangerous scene too, especially the long term of it. But we've it's once once they went to commercial break for the second time, that's when it really started to feel like it was like something beyond just a concussion or you know beyond what we would would normally see.
0: So it's. Yeah. yeah, and we've watched. I mean, you're almost numb to it at this point, and I hate to, to say it that way, but, you know, guys getting strapped down and rolled out, we almost expect at this point to hear, you know, by the conclusion of the game, it's a concussion. They're discharged from the hospital. They're in protocol. Yeah. Just because we see that so often with with the new rules and the abundance of caution and everything, and, you know, even when... You know, I watched Johnny Knox get his career ended and get folded in half and break several vertebrae. I watched the Ryan entrance here, spinal contusion and um, the Brown hit, which was one of the first instances of seeing somebody just knocked out playing cold on a football field. Um, but, you know, occasionally, you know, it's bad, bad. And this was definitely one where I think we all knew it was was bad bad as soon as we saw how it was unfolding. Yeah. So uh props to the training staff, um, the medical staff.
1: The so coaches. The coaches props to the coaches. I mean, yeah. once he was on the field, they said five minutes to warm up and the coaches got to yell at the refs and said, Nope, we're taking our team off this field. So props to them. Yeah. More Should than I'm, anyone else. Because we, that they that, that just shows right there, you're like, you know, this is more than just a game, this is family. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. McDermott apparently quoted as saying I need to be with DeMar um when that happened Zach Taylor immediately getting it um you know Bengals captains going into the the Bills locker room uh all the reactions associated with that uh shout out to everybody across the greater community for all of the donations to DeMar's charity um watching it's over that...
1: 8.6 billion I think wow yeah, yeah. His watching, goal was like twenty five hundred.
0: Yeah, watching that blow up has been awesome to see everybody give, to see him embracing it and being able to embrace it, which is just a beautiful thing. Um, you know, props to everybody involved, except for maybe the NFL, who tried to restart the game.
1: Yeah, well, the, all the NFL was. tried to make it up for it by taking all the, uh, so everyone was getting a Demar Hamlin jersey and taking all the money from that and donating it to the charity too. So that was that was our way of trying to make up for it. But yeah,
0: yeah,
1: it wasn't that wasn't good. But the great thing is was when he woke up, the very first thing he asked was, did we win?
0: Yeah, right.
2: You know, that that whole thing was uh, if you want to see grown men cry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, real some real Jason Street vibes there. After he's paralyzed on the field and Friday night lights, the first thing he says when he wakes up to is, did we win? yep <laughs> um which they did they did um so yeah obviously unprecedented stuff for for fantasy that all takes a, a backseat everybody figured that out in their own way we're not here to tell you if it was right or wrong as long as it was agreeable yeah yep uh anything else on this one
1: nope' just glad uh, he's doing good
0: all right following that up in uh following that up uh positive update before we get to another eh, kind of negative update. Uh positive update, John Mechie. Um, probably gonna be ready for off-season activities after his uh lymphoma diagnosis. So um it appears he Never. is in, in remission and will uh be able to rejoin the team this offseason. Uh see hadn't seen really seen or heard an update on him and then you know, as the draft unfolded looking at the Texans offseason plans and what they were gonna do, uh started to see a lot of Mechie in being a big part of that. So kind of led me to dig a little deeper and find out that you know, he he's good. Uh he's visited several games since then. He's uh he's on his way back. So good news there. Good. Good, good, beautiful. Uh and slightly sadder news, uh, but uh, more hero news. Seems like there's You don't want to usually get two hero stories in one week. No. Uh, Peyton Hillis is in the ICU right now. Um, I haven't, I didn't look for an update before this. So this is all like two day old information. Uh, Saved a couple of his kids from, from drowning. I think everybody involved in fantasy football remembers who Peyton Hillis is. Yeah. Uh, Saved saved a couple of his kids from drowning and is apparently having some kidney issues and stuff after that. So
1: Um, he
2: was
0: removed from his ventilator six hours ago that's awesome
1: that's a positive yeah that's very good so
0: hopefully uh full recovery for him for his selfless acts which is a dad i totally understand
1: oh yeah um, you go when you go when you go into parent mode man you like you don't care about anything else but your nope. kids you're trying to do whatever you kind of get them to safety you don't care you don't care about yourself yep it's weird it's it's hard to explain yeah
0: all right on to some um uh, some other things here. Probably some of the biggest news of the week: uh, Simon Lazat left Discraft. He is going to MVP. Um, so sponsorship news there. Brian's looking at me like, "What the hell?" Uh, yeah, I was like,
1: "Am who's Simon and who, what did and Antonio Brown to Discraft?"
0: Uh, Anthony Barella, the real AB, to Discraft, along with uh, <laughs> the only <laughs> AB I know, along with uh, Valerie Manduhano, Holland Handley, and a host of others. So sponsorship changes in the disc golf world, um, which. Really? Big ones, too. Yeah, they're big names, changing brands. And really what that means is that we're going to get cooler signature discs. And usually when players jump, they get, uh, you know, better deals and more money in a lot of instances. So as the sport continues to grow, uh, this type of stuff continues to happen. Simon, the MVP, is definitely the, the biggest one. We love AB, but that's a 10-year a face of that brand, oh. along with Eagle McMahon jumping ship. Yep. So it's kind of the equivalent of when Levy uh, Le'Veon Bell at the Steelers. <laughs> Minus the contract dispute. Yeah. Yes, and the bad yes. bl- and the bad blood. It was very amicable. <laughs> Including one more disc release. Um, all right. Playoff stuff real quick. Uh Jaguars and the Seahawks. They're both in as seven seeds. So good yay i'm happy to see jacksonville back in the playoffs
2: and i'm happy that green bay isn't there
0: yay, yay. yeah which was the lions packers were eliminated by the lions god, um, that was a great game
2: nfl got bailed out for a bullshit scheduling fiasco by not having seattle and the green bay lions game at the same time yep that was a crock of shit that was oh god
0: And props to to Dan Campbell for just saying, if we ain't going, there, not going either. And (sighs) actually being honest about how badly he wanted to eliminate that. I I protect that man at all costs. Uh,
2: (laughs) I love Dan Dan Campbell. He's awesome.
1: He's fantastic. That's my coach.
0: Um, That is your coach. That is your coach. Skylar Thompson's going to start for the Dolphins. So Tua is still not cleared. And Thompson uh, continues to run over Teddy.
1: No, no, I don't think Teddy's cleared either. I didn't think he's oh, still he's injured not, he's also. He's not he cleared yet. yet? Yeah. yeah, he's still hurt. Yeah. So
0: uh, what's been a great story for the Dolphins is probably going to end in quarterback injuries.
1: Yeah, it would be one and done. Yeah, no, just like the other AFC team that's the sixth seed.
0: Yeah, Ravens <laughs> are also banged up at quarterback going up against the, the Bengals. Uh, Lamar not practicing. I think Huntley was still not practicing either. So, Yeah, it's probably going to be Anthony Brown again. It's, yeah. Uh, very, 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 very annoying. Good defense, but not a good recipe, especially not in that matchup against the Bills. So, or Bengals. My bad. Fun same game.
1: difference.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be the same bloodbath. It's coming. gonna be
1: Bills Bengals next week anyway, so just be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah.
2: in Atlanta. In Atlanta,
1: is that what is that how they're doing it? I was thinking it's gonna be Detroit. Dang it! No, it's in Atlanta. It got announced Yo, today. Detroit. Oh, Detroit was not. It.
0: Detroit was not eligible for that because. Uh, Or no, sorry, that was, sorry, that was the AFC championship game they weren't eligible for, right? They replaced, Detroit wasn't eligible for something, because they are replacing their turf, and they didn't want to cancel having their turf
1: replaced. Oh, that makes sense, because I'm like thinking, I'm like, that's like a good midway point unless you're playing Cleveland. Yeah,
0: they're having turf replaced. (laughs)
1: These spreads, Um, man, my God. (laughs) They
0: considered outdoor stadiums as well, uh, particularly Soldier Field, but Soldier Field's got one of the smallest capacities in the NFL, so. Um yeah, notable draft stuff as we wrap up the season. Bears are gonna pick fit first overall, thanks to a ballsy win by former coach Lovey Smith, who
1: the greatest fuck you ever. Oh my god, that was so ah, awesome. So beautiful. You know, he like he left with a smirk on his face too. He oh, uh, like, you yeah, know, you know I'm, I'm a, if I'm going, I'm going out with a W W.
2: Him and Brandon Cooks are just like fuck you guys. You don't yeah. deserve shit. Trade nope. up for the first ball pick now. Trade up for it.
0: Yep, knocked him out of it, put the Bears into it. Um, A lot of discussion. Well, I don't talk about this for a second. I got to address something. To everybody that's saying the Bears are going to draft Bryce Young and trade Justin Fields, no. Stop trying to get clicks. Just stop.
2: It's, it's everywhere. It's so infuriating. Yeah. It's so fucking obvious why they shouldn't. And yet people right. want right. to drop stories.
1: No, you it was for clicks.
2: There's nothing wrong with Justin Fields. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What more do we need to talk about? No, what, what is wrong with need. the Bears? They need defense. They need every.
1: Well, they need they a need, lot they, of stuff. They
0: need everything. They literally oh. need everything. But
2: so, so, uh, right, so yeah. you need everything. Besides what do you, maybe do that yeah, trade what do you do with the first pick? Yeah, th- exactly. trade it do
1: that first. Exactly. Trade out on. of it. You don't need it.
2: And more value than Justin Fields, which because it's always the unknown commodity. i be got to call. But no, it, it's uh, it's been. I mean, obviously, I mean, look, I the one argument against it. I you know, I guess that's important. This trading of fields and drafting a quarterback is to reset the quarter, you know, to reset the rookie running back or the rookie quarterback contract, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like I get that. They're gonna put Bryce Young, Stroud, you know, Levi's or whatever, Levis, Richardson, Levis, Richardson. It doesn't matter who the fuck it is. No. It doesn't solve your problem. Now having a bunch of cap space. Having a, you know, having whatever draft picks you get in a return for Justin Fields, great. What you're getting out of the first round pick is extra picks in 24, extra picks in 23. If Fields yeah. doesn't fire next year, the quarterback class next year is one you want. It's supposed to be a, a, Caleb Williams is supposed to be quote unquote that next, like, the Trevor Lawrence prospect generational level. talent and, and, that, that has been said like this since he yeah. joined Oklahoma and, and now USC.
0: Yeah. And for fields, it's not like he didn't progress at all. He showed the dynamic playmaking ability. Yes. He has some ways to go as a passer, but he also had no supporting cast whatsoever to, to help with that. He accounted for 20. I think Orlovsky tweeted this. 25 total touchdowns with one of the worst supporting casts in the league because he's a dynamic playmaker. And the trade-offs with Bryce Young there, not quite as dynamic on the legs, huh? Might be a little bit better passer. Might process quicker. I haven't watched the and film. And he's smaller. And he's, he's, good. And he's smaller. He's smaller. So I
1: mean, uh, his size doesn't make me nervous, but still, like, why would you why would you do behind the an offensive line that that
2: that gives off that many hits. I mean, it's not Minnesota bad, but that's, yeah. his, you know, cousins. The, the, the Bears line, but.
0: could take the edge rusher from Alabama, who is consensus or, you know, considered a number one overall pick by a lot of people and game wrecker, and something they absolutely need is pass rush. Yep. They could mm-hmm. move back for picks and choose to address the wide receiver. Um, Pass rush offensive line running back if they don't resign Montgomery, um, and do that type of thing. Now, Bears also have a shitload of cap space, so I mean, they can address. I, you know, I think as I was DeAndre reading, the top free agents, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, you get you'd have to trade package for him. I don't think he's yeah. a free agent, he's not a free agent, he's yeah, free, so he, he would, has
1: two years left, Yeah, you have
0: to buy him, but. If you're just looking to get in free agency, I mean, there's some good young talent along the D-line off-ball linebacker positions that you can do to help solidify that. So, you know, I've been camp trade back for a while. Um, I think I'm becoming more comfortable with if you make the pick to get a pass rusher, then that's totally okay. Um. But there's not a chance in hell that, especially after Ryan pulls the press conference, not a chance in hell they're trading Fields to draft a quarterback. It doesn't move the franchise any if you trade Fields to draft a quarterback.
1: Nope. No, you said the reset button again.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're resetting the rookie contract, but you know what are you really doing to get? I guess you get picks for Fields, but. You know the one on one is going to be more val. It full team, it, full five years of team control is going to be more valuable than fields with three.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, moving on. So, Houston has picks two and twelve after falling down. So they've got two top thirteen picks, um, thanks to having Cleveland's first rounder. So they're also in a good position to do some franchise altering stuff if they don't screw it
1: up. I've been seeing quarterback and uh, wide receiver in those first two picks.
0: They also need pretty much
1: everything. Yeah. Houston? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they got Stingley last year, but they still need everything. So quarterback will be a definite it, too. It doesn't matter if somebody does jump up to take Young. I think that they'll pivot. Man, and look, it's you know, Stroud or Levis or whoever you think the two is in this class. I don't know yet, I haven't started. Um, Seattle picks fifth because they have Denver's pick.
1: Oh, Denver mm-hmm. guy, did they screw up?
0: And I'm pretty sure they also have their own, which will be decided mm-hmm.
1: based on the playoffs.
0: Yep, they'll have two first rounders. Uh, the Lions are going to pick sixth and 18th, thanks to the Rams. Thank you. So uh, they will also get a chance as the rich get richer and they address the defense some and they're going to be them and the Bears. I'm going to be real fun to watch next season, I think.
2: I mean, fuck, Lions get packaged that and move up. Ryan, have you heard anything? Is About moving any up hurt? to the one? About moving up to the one?
0: No.
1: No. None at all.
0: They'd have to give him a haul too to make that trade in division, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you're trying to get freaking Levis, I mean, or not Levis, but uh, Anderson, no. I I, I, Anderson. I just don't see it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I wouldn't trade up for the one for it. Yeah. There's plenty of defensive linemen and like other uh edge rushers there that we oh, get at six. I I'm get not too ya. worried about.
2: I mean, if they trade up, it'll, it, it would have been for, it'd be for a quarterback to sit Yeah, they're not sure.
1: No, nah, they're not trading up for anyone. I can see they, them hating. I I can see them
2: hating back to 18 and maybe taking a guy like Richardson for exactly maybe for you know for that raw potential because it's just how athletic he is and and, and just yeah,
1: yeah, or even nope. or even if a quarterback starts falling, you can see the 18th and a, another second or third round picket traded up to a team and that way they can pick that quarterback if it falls, yeah, True.
0: yeah, because they don't need to go get somebody that's ready now and we'll. We'll have a lot of draft coverage coming through here, but, you know, like most years, there's a couple guys that we look at and say, okay, yeah, they're they're developmental pieces and you get them and see what it is. So they don't have to necessarily take a, a high quarterback with with golf under contract either. You can get somebody that's more of a developmental piece and, and let them sit. You know, I don't know who, like, this year's Malik Willis is, but that's it, kind of what you're looking
2: at. It's Anthony Richardson. Yeah. He is yeah. big arm, super athlete.
0: He's Or hell, don't forget Mahomes didn't start year one.
1: No. So. But the Lions do need a backup quarterback because th- their backup quarterbacks are not backup quarterbacks. Yeah.
0: So I think that's probably the play for the Lions there. Um, Eagles pick 10th because they have the Saints first rounder, so they're going to also be a really good team with high draft capital. They're rich, definitely. Get yeah. I don't um, know what holes they have. It, it, that they're could gonna have,
2: be like Bijan right there. They're, they're John Robinson right there. Uh, they're it gonna have,
0: They're gonna have holes oh. in the secondary because with Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner Johnson both being free agents, true. So they are gonna need to look probably cornerback and solidify that because I don't think they're gonna have the cap space to resign both. That's the only one I can think of. Maybe if Jason Kelsey retires. Yeah. Uh, um and other draft news, Cleveland, the Rams, Miami, New Orleans, San Francisco, currently without first round picks in Denver. Suck, I don't know why suck. <laughs> no no, they Oh, they do have one.
2: They got one back from, from Miami.
0: That's right.
2: They got the San Francisco pick.
0: That's right. That's why Miami doesn't have one. They traded the San Francisco pick to Denver. So yeah, Cleveland, Rams, Miami, New Orleans, San Francisco with no first round picks, and the only team out of that, li- only two teams out of that list where you can look at their performance this year and say, "Okay, yeah, they're probably okay with that." A first round pick is Miami and San Francisco. Cleveland, the Rams, and New Orleans are not in a good way.
1: No, they're like, "Whoops, we screwed up again." Well, especially uh, New- like New Orleans, like it's like they think they are like you know, so dumb. They're one, so one dumb. person away, one play
2: away. Yeah. Nope, oh, still it's no so, year away. such a terrible draft pick. or such a terrible trade. I track it. Traffic. Was. Traffic was fine.
0: Absolutely so. no reason for it. All right. Coaching changes. Black Monday. <laughs> All right. Alphabetical order. Uh, as we hit through interviews here, real quick. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was fired. Steve Kimes stepped away. Uh, so they currently have head coach interviews lined up with Vance Joseph and Sean Payton, who cannot interview until after January 17th uh, for the head coach position. And then uh, for the GM position, uh, Titans director of player personnel, Monty Osenfort, Bears GME in Cunningham, who's a popular one throughout this, or Bears assistant GME in Cunningham. Cardinals president of player personnel, Adrian Wilson. Cardinals vice president of player personnel, Quentin Harris. Former Giants GM, Jerry Reese. Um, I don't think their next head coach is in that list of interviews yet. I don't think they can pay for Sean Payton. And I don't know that they're going to spring on, on Vance Joseph and promote from within. No.
2: I, th- I think you're going to get a more offensive minded head coach again, too.
1: Yeah, I do. Plus, plus, like, like what I've been here for Sean Payton is it, it's not just a first-round pick they want for him. They want, like, multiple firsts for anyone, like, right. trying to trade for him. I
0: wouldn't give up a fucking... There's Not for a coach, no. It's so no. it's so stupid. New Orleans is just going to lose out on their own trying to get that price for him because he's not coming back to coach them. Nope. So take what you can get. Otherwise, he's just going to sit on his cushy TV deal. Yeah. Um... GM position I don't really care honestly um until they're in place I think that you know if you promote from within if you're the Cardinals I don't think I think that they've been fine not particularly with their draft classes but definitely with what they've done in in trades and free agency um I think they've made some good moves uh Bears assistant GM in Cunningham is somebody that was highly regarded when he came over to the Bears and yeah. I definitely wouldn't be hiring anybody from the Titans. Carolina Panthers, they after firing Matt Rule midseason, they've got interviews with uh interim head coach Steve Wilkes. Uh also Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, Ben Johnson, who's the Lions offensive coordinator, St. Shane Seachin, who's the Eagles offensive coordinator, Bills OC, Ken Dorsey, Giants OC, Mike Kafka.
1: I hope the Lions just keep Ben Johnson because Ben Johnson's name is getting mentioned. They're, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're going to say his name again. I will. He's like three or four spots. I know he's going. Yeah. Like I want him to stay to that man to stay.
0: Yeah. I mean, he
2: could block them. He can block teams for interviewing them. So yeah, but that's,
0: a I mean, it, move.
2: I mean, it, I mean, yeah, sure. But I mean, we've seen it happen before and it, and eventually they'll get plucked out. That's just how it works in this. Or or he'll get promoted if something happens to gamble. But it's just generally how they go.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you think they go offensive or defensive in Carolina?
2: Ooh. Maybe offensive. They go quarterback, right? You're, you're going to want your head coach hand handpick who they want there. Both Darnold and Baker are free agents. We know we have our strong opinions against Matt Corral.
0: Yeah, and yeah.
2: Uh, um, we know we know that PJ Walker is the answer. They don't have the type of ammunition to move up the way that the other teams did. So <clears throat> we may see them continue to kind of it. It, it, it might be a bridge coach, honestly.
0: Yeah, like and I, their I,
2: defense I, is so strong. I can't see them losing. A, like I can't uh, see them losing more games than, than what they lost this year.
0: Yeah, I think if you go to a bridge coach that you just roll with Steve Wilkes, he got a lot out of that team down the stretch. He
2: almost
1: got him to the fucking he playoffs. It. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, he was he's, right at the borderline there.
2: Yeah. Like, I, like it, it may be... I think what Dallas wanted to do with Jason Garrett all that time ago is see what happens within a year. If you suck, you're going to be in line with mm-hmm. a chance at getting one of these top quarterbacks on top of having a good young defense and and you just allocate your funds that way. Like it, like DJ Moore might be the only offensive piece there besides the tackle they took this year. That's going to be a building block piece. And they're probably within a year or two.
0: And it's not like you don't have hot names on the, on the head coaching market. Yeah. Every year. So I mean, they're not really trying to jump at any of these guys this year. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to miss out because we see it every year where, you know, popular names come around and will get promoted and get their shot. And some of them will stick and, and some of them won't. Right. And basically if your team was good or you, you know, like Ben Johnson, you showed some big or Shane Sticher and you showed some, some big strides, then you're going to get a look. And that's what's happening here. So I think, but I don't know. I don't think the role with Wilkes, but it's another situation where I feel like they should just from what he got out of the team down the stretch. Because there's not an obvious answer here.
1: You don't don't know which direction the team's going to go right now either.
0: Well, you got to commit to something, right? You don't have a quarterback and your defense is ready. Are they in play for Derek Carr, perhaps?
1: Possibly. I mean, that'd be... That'd be nuts.
2: Yeah.
0: That'd be the best option.
1: (laughs) Or Tom Brady or Aaron
2: Rodgers. It's so weird to say... No. Hire or Zach I, Wilson. I, I hire, think Brady hire I
0: think, and bring Gardner Minshew over.
2: I think yeah. Brady goes back to the Patriots. I, I do. Like one last ride again.
1: watch him go to Oakland. Or not Oakland, but Vegas.
0: Hmm. Nah. He needs a lot of help. They do. All right. Cleveland Browns. Um their defensive coordinator position. They're looking at uh Bad. they were looking at Jared Mayo, and then there was a report today that uh, Belichick's going to keep him around, probably as a true DC. Um Also in that report was that uh the Matt Patricia, he acknowledged the Matt Patricia experiment didn't work, and they're probably going to go back to a traditional offensive coordinator, which they absolutely should. Mm-hmm. I
1: hate um, Matt Patricia. Got to hate him.
0: Also in the running there, Steelers linebackers coach Brian Flores, Seahawks assistant head coach Sean Desai, Uh obviously Flores, got a a bad shake there in Miami um, being let go after what we thought was a really good job with a really not good roster and Desai uh, was the Bears defensive coordinator in the last year, Matt Nagy where they were actually solid. Uh, For Denver, you've got a lot of big names. This is probably the most intriguing head coaching one because this is a this is a roster that should be ready. Right, based on the personnel that's there, we're all going to question that based on what we saw this year. But this should be a ready roster. They're going to go heavy at head coach. Um, they're looking at Saints head coach Sean Payton, Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, Broncos DC Iro Avero. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. 49ers de- defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, and Rams DC Raheem Morris. Um, I think this is where you're going to see a big name go. This is going to be Peyton, or it's going to be Harbaugh for a bucket of money because they can afford it, or it's going to be Quinn. You're going to get somebody in Denver with head coaching experience. I think you're not going to get a first timer here.
1: I don't think it's going to to be Jim Harbaugh just because, like, Blake Coram said he's coming back, and I don't see why Blake Coram would come back if Jim Harbaugh is leaving.
0: Jim Harbaugh was very non committal to anything in his his statements to the press, right? Yeah. That's very how he always talks to the press. He's very,
1: them. he's very like light. Anytime he talks to the press, he doesn't really like give him enough detail. Yeah. I mean, it was last year. He heard the same thing. He was going to go to Minnesota. So
2: thank fucking
0: God. I don't hate him. I just, I'm happy. I'm, I'm content saying, with what we got. Well, and this is interviews, right? So the yeah. fact that he's actually taking an interview says that he's opened the idea and the Broncos, Ownership group has the money to throw a bucket at him, but I don't think this is a group that brings in a rookie head coach. I think they're going to bring somebody in with experience. Where do you think? Which side of the ball do you do you think they do
2: you think do you think, do you think they want an offensive minded or or defensive I, minded? I here? think they want I offensive.
1: I think they want defense. I think they I want think offense. Sorry, <laughs> it's like we keep talking over each other the same freaking time.
0: And we're saying completely opposite things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, why do you think they want defense? Go.
1: Because they already they already had the defensive built, so you might as well continue it and try to build it even stronger. Why would you want to bring an offensive coach in for that?
0: Because the offense sucks, and that's where you need to have improvement. You already have the defense and the good defensive coordinator, so you want to pair a good offensive mind and good offensive infrastructure to fix whatever was wrong
1: there. Yeah, but offense wins, offense wins games and defense wins championships. So you, you uh, want the defensive coordinator. I hate that. That That's
2: such a bullshit model. now. No, the offense gets you to every single place. You need defensive plays to win you championships. You don't need to try. And, and here's
0: the problem, right? The defense didn't underperform. The offense oh. underperformed based on the talent that you have there. It's not like they don't have. This is a team that you need to play to the strength of the roster because both sides of the ball should be a strength of the roster. You need to fix what underperformed, and the only way you're going to do that is to get the infrastructure in place to do that. You're only going to get good offensive infrastructure in place by going the head coaching route. You're not going to get one of these great offensive minds just to jump to be an OC. Yeah,
1: but How would much... ever be more likely to jump up if anyone jumps up?
0: But teams aren't looking for... Averro is a defensive coach. Teams aren't looking for... We we've seen plenty of times where the defensive coach gets overlooked. Sala and Fangio are the only two defensive head coaching hires that that really come to mind in how recent much, memory.
2: How much influence does Russell Wilson have in this? Because I think Denver's Probably have a lot. Because he's I mean, they gotta save their ass in this deal, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. Russ issues was 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 it was bad. It just him and Hackett, what for whatever reason. And you know it'll be speculated on, you know where Russ is at at this point in his career. But Denver has to save face to some extent, and I think this hire will have heavy influence on in what.
0: Which way do you think they're going?
2: Oh, I I think they're going offense. Okay. I I I think they want to go with some. That's why I think Sean Payton. They 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 feel like the team who also overpaid to go get Peyton Manning would also do the same exact thing to get a guy like Sean Payton, who during his heyday was one of the greatest offensive minds that could work with this roster and, and and get probably the most and the most you can get out of, you know, out of Russ and and, and that has a insanely strong supporting cast already. Yeah.
0: The only reason I hesitate on Peyton is because they're gonna have to give up something to get him other than just money. I think I like I think what the Saints they want don't. in return. Yeah. I, I yeah. think
2: Peyton may push. If Peyton has a good interview here, he may push yeah. to get to this place. And the Saints may put be be, be backed in the corner. I don't think it really matters. I think Denver this would be the spot I think he, he wants to go if things go mm-hmm. well. But I do think Denver is gonna go offensive mind, at least this at least this round it may it may still not work I think they want to appease Russ and get him a head coach that's that's I mean we I guess we got that with Hackett kind of right I I
0: still think the Hackett hire was to try to attract Rodgers and then when it didn't same here yeah yeah
2: Yeah. right so and obviously that's not in play (laughs) like Rodgers ain't going to Denver now so no I think they're going to consult Russ with this and if there's any ties to him throughout his time in Seattle if a name pops up you know don't be surprised
0: yeah and you know if Avello gets hired good for him but it's uh, the the point I was going there Ryan is I don't you don't see a lot of defensive coaches get hired when the offensive you know coaching pool is strong and there's a limited number of of openings you're going to see one or two uh, but you know, I I don't know if he's one of them that gets plucked in comparison to, you know, some of these Mayo was a big name before getting brought back. D'Amico Ryan's is a big name, um, that that's been thrown around a lot. There are options on the defensive side of the ball, so that that's my only thing with the Vero. I think they can retain a Vero on the defensive side, and that pretty much solves that.
2: Yep.
0: Now if Favero leaves, and yes, I could see them potentially going defense as well. Let's preserve this and try to bring somebody else in. But I think as it stands today, right now, January 12th, 2023, they're wise to go offensive side.
1: Fuck you, time stamp people. Right. Yeah. We see you. Who'll be listening to this on Friday the thirteenth on their drive into work?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. My drive's only five minutes, so I don't got time. <laughs> A little longer for me. I do have to go to work in the morning, though. Oh, oh, me to too. Office. Um, Houston Texans, uh, they're looking, again, Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Ben Johnson's in play here. Shane Steichen's in play here. Sean Payton's in play here. There is no fucking way Sean Payton's going here. And uh, Averro. Uh this is the worst job that you can take. Yeah, there's no fucking way like they're not getting any of these guys in the first wave. No big
2: names, that's no. for sure.
0: Um, they've had two one and duns. They've refused to do anything with the roster. Um, you know, they're they're in the middle of a rebuild. They've scapegoated two coaches during that rebuild, um, and refused to stick with anybody. If you're a coach, you're setting yourself up to go one and done without a lot of success here. You would need to see a long-term commitment from the Texans to to be here. Peyton's not doing this. They don't have the roster. I think that he has no want to oversee a rebuild. Um, Steichen's better off staying where he is. is better off staying where he is. Ben Johnson can get a much larger payday if he sees the Lions rebuild through. Uh, Jonathan Gannon might have the most to gain from this. I don't think they're getting shit about shit in the first round, and they're going to have to go with another veteran head coach who's just looking for another shot in the second round.
2: Yep. Yeah. That I makes agree. more sense. I agree.
0: The Colts, probably the second worst job that you could go for.
2: There is a, a name that was announced 20 minutes ago that that, that interviewed today. Who's that? Eric Bieniemy. Oh, oh. Bieniemy. He interviewed today for the head coaching position
0: again. It's like the fourth offseason where the enemy is a hot name.
2: I know it's kind of like the Zimmer thing, but on the office side of the ball where it took so long for Zimmer to get a head coaching job. And maybe he's just better off staying in Casey at this point,
0: or maybe he'll get it and do well. He's Uh, going to Houston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Colts are unenviable just because of the quarterback situation. I think the roster overall is good. Um, you also have a, I like Jim Say, but when owners are over-involved, I always think that's a negative situation.
2: Yeah. I so. agree. Interim head it's coach. Like Dallas.
0: Yeah. Interim head coach shift Saturday. There's no way. Harbaugh doesn't come back to go coach in Indy, I don't think. Uh, Lions defensive coordinator, coordinator, Aaron Glenn. That's a possibility. Uh, Ben Johnson, Raheem Morris, Shane Steichen, Ajero Averro. Again, um, Colts are another one. I de- they're like the Panthers, where right? I don't really have a good read on which way they're gonna go. Um, and they have a solid roster, but no quarterback. Colts and the Panthers are pretty much the same damn team.
2: Yeah, Panthers might be in a better spot. Honestly. Yeah, I like the Panthers I better. So yeah, younger defense
0: and younger pieces to build with. This is probably I look at this and Raheem Morris is what sticks out. Is like. There's a guy that's just looking for a shot as a head coach. Again, yeah,
2: I I don't see Harbaugh. I I I don't think they're keeping Saturday. I I just I think that I think that experience is done.
0: I have no idea how the Lions defensive coordinator is getting interviews, but here we are. Yeah, Ryan, how is how
2: is the Lions DC get interviews?
1: I don't know because it was a DB's coach that actually got fired. It wasn't Aaron Glenn that who should, who everyone thought should have been fired because of the way their defense was such freaking garbage for the longest time. He's and had it's still garbage. Interview. Promote him, yeah.
0: He's probably wise to take this if they give him an offer at all.
1: He's going to Houston. God, <laughs> <laughs> after and he that should. might be. <laughs> well, let let him go because I'd rather let him go than Ben Johnson. I, I don't want Ben Johnson to go anywhere. If it, no, if you should want to keep. Two, yeah, you should yeah. want to keep Ben Johnson. Take it. Take Aaron Glenn. I, I'm no. fine with that. So Ben yes. Johnson's
2: going to go the route of Brian Dobble or, or Brian Dable and kind of just kind of wait
1: to see. That's what his, I'm hoping. This shining
2: light happens and then he'll move
1: on. Like mm-hmm. even like if they make up the playoffs and actually win a playoff game, that would be beneficial for Ben Johnson. I mean, just doing this. You oh, know, absolutely. Almost made the, yeah. You know, we, yeah, we hung up our almost made the playoff banner, but still it's not enough yet. Hey, I, hey, I, I don't want to leave.
2: That's fine. Yep. <laughs> you guys got a winning record. That's that's yeah. great. It's already a win. Yeah.
0: Uh, Patriots moving on, they need a DC and an OC. Uh, Jared Mayo is like it's already pretty much set, he's going to get promoted to DC here. Um, offensive coordinator, they'll begin taking interviews on January 16th for that position
1: because it wasn't Matt Patricia, yeah. (laughs) That everyone already knew, so fucking stupid.
0: This is where Nathaniel
1: Hackett (laughs) lands.
2: I honestly, I yeah, yeah,
0: Patriots offensive coordinator. I actually don't hate, yeah,
2: I can see that. Um, Especially when he gets Tom Brady back Except yeah. he's never had him But you'll get I mean, you'll go back to Green Bay I don't fucking know oh, Doubt it I know
1: LaFleur Le- has that uh, It's open for him
0: Oh, LaFleur <laughs> well, The Jets
1: Yeah, I can take yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Jets LaFleur going to the Patriots
2: uh, Yeah, yeah Well, I can't fucking beat him I Might as well just join him
0: Right <laughs> That's... Mike LaFleur Um. Tennessee Titans, they need a GM. So uh, Glenn Cook, who's the Browns' assistant GM player personnel, Bears' assistant GM Ian Cunningham, who's, a, again, a really popular option here, 49ers' assistant GM Adam Peters, 49ers' director of player personnel, Rand Carthen, uh, Titans' director of player personnel, Monty Austin-Fort. So Cunningham, Austin-Fort both showing up multiple times on this list. Um, They'll probably get GM jobs. Don't really care, again. Um you know, young guys trying to get names. Ian Cunningham, I think, came over to the Bears from the Chiefs and took a promotion. So um he has a little bit of clout behind his name. Anyone coming from the 49ers is going to have clout behind this name because of how well they've been able to sustain success. Yep. Yep. With deep rosters because they're not healthy ever. Um, some other changes. Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator Dean Pease retired after multiple seasons. Uh, he's ancient two seasons with Atlanta, but he had plenty to go on before that. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about Kingsbury and Kime, Matt rule, uh, Cleveland Browns fired Joe Woods after three seasons. That's why they have an opening. Uh, we talked about Levy Smith, uh, Rams coach, Liam Cone left to take the same job at Kentucky. So the Rams are looking for an OC potentially a head coach. We'll get to that in a second. Jets fired Mike LaFleur, so they'll be looking for an OC. Titans uh Todd Downing dismissed after two seasons. They needed to fire their OC after how bad that Hopkins seasons. Yeah. Well, rough, rough. Uh and the Commanders fired OC Scott Turner which is kind C of Titans a, <laughs> same yeah, thing. Same thing. Um some other stuff here going on. Uh Basically, all around the Rams, McVay considering stepping down as head coach for Jay Glazer, uh, really taking time to evaluate that decision after uh, this the Super Bowl hangover, potentially taking a year off. You know, the angle I didn't really think of here was that you know, after the injury to Stafford, the slow start coming off of winning a Super Bowl, he might have been the mo- most hungover of all of one. He had the rumors last year that he was thinking about about stepping away. And it almost makes me wonder if his heart was in this past year, coaching wise.
2: That, I mean, we have seen mental health start to, you know, creep into the NFL, you know, with guys like Kelvin Ridley, you know, why, why can a head coach like these guys talk about the grueling hours and, and just what it takes to be a head coach in any sort of football. just imagine the NFL where you don't see your family for, Days, months. And weeks, months. Well, McVeigh,
0: especially being a young guy, they, yeah, it's yeah. already reached the pinnacle, had a lot of success, could be looking to do some, you know, some other things, but is also just noted as one of the most insane, crazy workers in the game. Maybe he's burnt out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do too much at once.
2: Or maybe there's some shit with, with Stan Crockey because fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, and, I'm just saying.
0: And McVay is one like like Peyton that could step away for a year or two, still be young enough and have the resume to get back into it if he were to decide to.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, then a couple notes on if it if he does step away, Raheem Morris would be in in contention, which makes sense. If he does stay, Cliff Kingsbury could join, and they have an offensive coordinator
2: opening. So, I think Cliff's going back to college. I think so too. He should go back. But he also fucking sucked in college, so maybe he'll be better.
0: You might have to wait though. Who's got a what uh, I don't school know. has an opening yeah. right now? Maybe Michigan does he go to replace Harbaugh if Harbaugh jumps no. back to the
1: NFL? No, hell no. He ain't going to go to the Michigan. You don't think? No. I'm just saying did...
0: whoever gets Cliff is going to have to pay Cliff, and uh, there ain't a lot of Power Five openings at the moment fucking cliff man so, always
2: been overrated michigan has yeah. the money to do it
1: they do they're not gonna do it
2: i don't think harbaugh's leaving michigan so no. nope. I don't, I don't i think we're gonna go through that carousel again cliff going the same back thing. to
0: college he's gonna go be the oc for the rams for a year and then go back to college next year when those openings <laughs> <out>. <laughs> there, there <you> go.
1: Go. <laughs> that's that's not a that's that how you could do have, it He's going to Houston <laughs> Yeah Offensive coordinator there <laughs> He's going to go be be he, Where he sucks It makes sense Yeah yeah
0: He'll be both He's got excuses He's going to
2: be The entire coaching staff
0: Excuses and no Kyler
1: He'll be at Texas A&M After
2: that
0: All right? Beer review Sure In the main event In the main event Beer review Right, I'm gonna go first because I have to pee. I was drinking. uh <laughs> I hate Illinois Nazis. It's a Czech style dark lager, um, pretty damn good beer. I like Czech dark lagers first and foremost. The style I didn't see a lot of until the last last couple of years, but they're they're light, they're clean. They have just a little bit of of roast to them from the dark malt that's in there. Um, This one might have just a touch too much roasty character for what I've had in the style. Um, may need to tone down on the dark malt just a hair. Um, But other than that, it's still pretty crisp. There is still a good amount of hop character that comes out of it. It's easy drinking. It's a good beer. Um, Really, really good. I just think that, you know, if I had one critique, it's maybe just a touch roasty for a Czech dark lager. Um, You know, that should be more of of a subtle note than an upfront note. And it's, you know, kind of in the same... Realm is like what a stout roastiness is, but without the body. So I think maybe just to touch high on that. Other than that, good beer. Um I like Blind Pigs or Blind Pig, their uh their piggy pop is is really good. And um, if you're ever through that eastern part of Illinois, champagne's actually got yeah, three really good breweries plus some good food and stuff over there. Absolutely. All right.
2: Again, I'm drinking Bourbon Counties, 2021 release. This is the brand Cherry Wood Stout. Again, this is their this is their stout aged in I guess aged and finished in the Cherry Wood barrel. Um, it, it's not heavy in the cherry flavor as it shouldn't be. You're gonna get the dark fruit from it. You get some spices from it from the barrel. Um, it's not. The heaviest of bodies to this, but it's got, you know, it's got your traditional BA characteristics on top of adding in the cherry that's partaking from the barrel itself. It's good. Hasn't fallen off a bunch, but that's a good part of it.
1: And I had Athletic Brewing Company run wild IPA. And Dan, you are right, man. It tastes just like a beer. Like, I don't, I take a sip of it and it's more like a, like a Sessions but it also probably has to do with the calories. It's only 65 calories. So it's kind of hard to make something heavy out of that. When the main ingredient is water, organic Vienna malt, malted barley, oats, hops, wheat, and yeast. So I don't know how how many like filtrations does it usually go through. when they do that. They just
2: boil out. Is it right? They just boil out. Is it boil? They just boil out the alcohol pretty much.
0: Yeah. I don't really know. I'll be, I'll be fully honest with you. I don't really know how they do. it in a because those are all beer ingredients the alcohol is a byproduct of the yeast um the only thing i can think of is that you don't get the starch conversion that's something i've been meeting into research
1: but yeah i mean it comes in at half percent It says well contains less than half percent alcohol and nice thing too is giving back says two percent of the sales go to restoring local trails so it's like drinking for a good cause without having no you know be uh irresponsible
0: Apparently there's four options controlled fermentation. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to read up on this right now, but there's apparently four different methods you can use to get a non alcoholic beer. And it's always intrigued me, especially hearing the list of ingredients. Cause that is beer, right? That's everything yep. that goes into beer. Yeah. There's yep. apparently something you can do with fermentation. There's a de process. You can take it through. And some other stuff. I'm not really sure how, because, you know, when you get that conversion, create the sugars and the yeast, eat those sugars. That's what creates alcohol. So. And if they're going through the same normal beer process, it's all in post. So that'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, it's all done. It's generally done during the fermentation process. So they
0: controlled fermentation.
2: Yeah. That, and you know, and you basically boil it out. Like it's, it's very fascinating, especially with the rise of craft. In a, I've been having a blast moving mine when I'm out in Missouri. All right, All right. Main attraction. The main
1: event. Beer fueled feelings.
0: All right. Starting it off, Fantasy Football, Rookie of the Year. So the way that I think we'll do this is we'll roundtable who we submitted, um, talk about why, and then if there's a difference, talk about why we didn't go the other route. And then if anybody wants to flip, they flip. Two-thirds consensus. All right. Um Dan, we'll start with you. Who is your nominee for fantasy football rookie of the year?
2: Kenneth Walker. Let me uh <laughs> as 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 usual, not uh not ready.
0: Um, that's okay. I was gonna round table nominees first and we'll talk, so look it up. <laughs> oh, Ryan- perfect!
1: Kenneth yeah. Walker.
0: Ryan, who's yours?
1: Kenneth Walker the third, also, or Ken Walker, not Kenneth, Ken.
0: All right, and mine is Garrett Wilson. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my reasoning for Wilson. Y'all give your reasoning for Walker. I'll rebuttal, and then we can go from there. So, um, to me, um, Garrett Wilson, 147 targets, is tied for six among his wide receivers. He was 11th in air yards, ninth in red zone targets, 6th in unrealized air yards, which tells me how much more room he has to get to his ceiling. Had the offense played better, mind you, not on a great offense, 90th in target accuracy from his quarterbacks, uh, gave you a top 20 finish at wide receiver, um, easily the most consistent of all rookie wide receivers. I don't want to say he's the, the only one that flashed, but he was heads and tails above really the rest of the class. Um, Chris Olave, I think, would have been closest as far as consistency goes, and even he still was not necessarily close in in any type of metrics. Uh, Garrett Wilson absolutely showed the... He has what it takes to be a future one on a better offense. He blew away the the field at his position. And, you know, to me, finishing top 20 at the wide receiver position where there's so much more competition for those spots than there are as a back-end running back is kind of the differentiator there. I know running back's a more scarce position, but to me that makes it all the more impressive that he was able to put together uh, a top 20 finish where you can basically end up a top 24 running back accidentally.
2: All right, I'll start. So it's kind of it, it. It's because of how important the running back position is. It's where I tend, I I tend to lean running back here. It's it's a lot simpler to find and, and, and to make up wide receiver production. I I would agree that that Wilson over over Kenneth Walker in the actual rookie award, but for fantasy, with with how volatile the running back position is, and, and just kind of the the. Importance of of getting those those late round picks to hit. Walker fits that billing perfectly. Like I I I the first I doubted. I was very against the Seattle backfield. Um. Yeah, you were heavily against, and 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 Walker. It, it, I'm not shocked that he was productive. He, I'm I'm a little shocked how much he got used in the passing game, but again, that just speaks to how good the Seattle offense. And team itself actually were. I mean, this is. I mean, again, this is based on my perception that this this team would be arguably the worst team in football. So Walker uh, coming into a situation being a top ten, being a top fifteen running back in points per game, um, really, really highlights the the importance of of hitting on that spot. And, and absolutely no shade to Wilson; he would have been. It's almost like a one A one B. I, I, you can give them both, and I, I'll be fine with it.
1: Yeah. Dude, that was, that's a good way to put it, too, is basically give it both. Like, you know, if you're for a wide receiver, it goes Chris Olave. But just like with Kenneth Walker, it's like you want that like immediate impact. You want that uh, that player that's going to hit right away. And yeah, sure. Walker didn't exactly hit right away. He didn't hit till actually week five when he finally had some meaningful. Yeah, but he had like 88 yards in his first touchdown. So he was already put on the radar. But after that, he had over 20 carries six times the rest of the season after that and no less than what was it oh he had to well he got injured in one game i think or no he had 10 for 17 against tampa bay never mind that's where he had the eight targets so he made up like we had 10 uh rush attempts but then made up in the passing game or the receiving game by getting eight targets turned that into six receptions for 55 yards so when everyone thought he was just a one positional type running back where because he didn't do anything in college he didn't catch anything but he actually did catch in high school because i did a whole thing on him for uh FF face off earlier in the season. And the way he can go back and forth with the ball, I love it. So getting that and then finish the season strong too with a uh back to back to back games with hundred yards. Yeah. Means a lot right there. So the
0: reason I didn't pick Walker, and this is half an honorable mention too, not so much to to shit on Walker, because I do like like Ken Walker. Well documented. Um it was also the separation of the position from the nearest rookie. Uh, Walker was only 15 yards ahead of Tyler Algier, which I think says more about our perception of Tyler Algier and how unheralded he is that they were that close. It doesn't really say quite as much about Kenneth Walker. I think that says more. That's more positive for Algier than it is a knock on Walker is what I'm trying to say there. Um, and that was only 15 yards ahead on just 18 more carries. Um, he was also fewer yards per carry than Algier. Um, Algier was only about 25 yards shy in receiving on roughly half the targets that Walker had. Uh, Algier also had the edge and true yards per carry and a much lower stuffed run rate. So um, you know, separation amongst rookies, Algier had damn near outside of touchdowns, damn near as good of a season as what Kenneth Walker did, where there really wasn't anybody super close to to Wilson. Uh, again, that's not to say that Algiers is a better running back. Um, I think that they're pretty well equally as good in the rookie year. Uh, obviously Walker on a little bit better offense, more touchdown opportunity there. Uh, both had slower starts for their own reasons. Uh, Walker definitely is the more dynamic and explosive player. Uh, but you know, to me, it's just give me the guy that was ahead of other rookies at his position. They finished in relatively the same spot on a year long. Yeah. When you go points per game, it's a little you know, it shifts things a little bit. Um, I, uh, I don't disagree that running back's a harder position to hit on. Um, wide receiver's a harder position to place in. So that that's kind of me for for Wilson. But also, you know, again, just Walker was very, very close to Algier. There wasn't the same separation there. And again, I don't think, you know, I don't want anybody to take that as a knock on Walker. That's more of a compliment to what Tyler Algier did. Um, is kind of an honorable mention sort of capacity. So, just wanted to make sure that got in there.
2: And we did, you know, briefly mention Chris Olave. I think Ryan brought him up. I mean, Olave is a lot of the same way he's the Algier to, you know, to Garrett Wilson ran over 100 let's routes, actually had more points per game from the fantasy spot. And that's just highlight, again, highlights, you know, the strength of wide receiver. it, It really highlights the strength of this wide receiver class where it's, well, you know, and, you, you get upside boom from London. You get upside from Burks, like
0: yeah, and
2: Dotson touchdown and, machine in Washington.
0: And pay was attention for, for dynasty oh and redraft next year, right? Because yeah. what we just gave you, if you're not paying attention, and what we just gave you there is how much higher Garrett Wilson's ceiling is, how good yet unsung Tyler Algier was this year, and where the deficit was with Chris Olave and how much better he can be next year. We just gave you three sleepers right there.
1: Yeah.
2: Watch out watch out for Atlanta though. I mean I, I, I always get scared about day about day three running back prospects that 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 hit year one. I mean
0: I think just, everybody's point yeah, too but just watch awesome. out
2: for Atlanta. Just just
0: watch to see what they do. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know that's what you want to see, right? You got a day three guy that Came out and actually produced at the same level as the second overall running back pick. So,
2: if they're smart, yes.
0: And he's never going to be a pass catcher. That's the other thing. Walker has so much more pass catching upside. We've seen it do. Him. But That's a big thing. I say that analogy. He caught 16 to 18 targets and had damn near the same yardage. So, maybe I'm wrong. And they're both going to be
2: probably average to below average in receiving production. Yep. Year over a year.
0: All right. congratulations Congratulations. neither of you are flipping I know that so congratulations Kenneth Walker (laughs) uh, on your feely Uh, Aaron will get that in the mail mail again presented by the FFA (laughs) face off (laughs) from trophy smack all right yeah, trophy smack (laughs) the David Johnson fantasy football bust of the year this one was unanimous it hurts Jonathan Taylor across the board yes yeah,
1: all injury related though. In my books, that's the reason why. I, that's, what? that's why I, I, that's I how that's how read the I David know. Johnson. But was.
2: I was told that CMC is more injury prone than Jonathan Taylor was, guys. I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm shocked by I'm shocked by how Jonathan Taylor and Saquon
0: Barkley is more injury injury prone than Jonathan Taylor. Got got, and her, they yeah. finish as the one in the five. <laughs> ah, my, no, bad. Upside, my bad. Upside,
2: upside, upside receiving upside always yes
0: um absolutely so yeah not really a lot to say on that that one's very well documented uh your feely is in the mail i guess if you want it we'll send that one from anthony so he gets all the all the hate <laughs> and positive one. Uh, uh, all right my <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's fucking good fucking ryan man
0: uh, the Matt Nagy, please be for real coach of the year award, which is a nod to that one time Matt Nagy won coach of the year and then sucked after that. Uh, for the uh, well, what we think is our coach of the year, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and start with why you think Nathaniel Hackett was the best coach of the year?
1: Because I misread that Matt Nagy, please read for real, please be for real, coach of the year. And he said, not worst coach after I already did it. that. Well it's a coach of the that year. Like
0: it's literally it literally says coach of the year.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> as in I, as in I thought, like, you know, the coach that should not even be a coach.
0: Maybe we'll have that next said, year.
1: So <laughs> it just said originally this one said just coach of the year award. Didn't have any quotation around saying not worst coach, dot dot dot. Like it does now. But yeah, I picked Nathaniel Hackett because he is the coach of the year who should have never been a coach. And yeah, it so showed who's, how so bad who's your was. actual
0: coach of the year.
1: Uh, I'm going Dan Campbell, man. Just the way he played, killed the fucking, season, finished the season.
2: Fucking
0: Homer,
1: Homer. That's right. fine.
0: Uh, we're gonna have <laughs> if, to to,
1: if it came to Sandy Hackett, I'm going fine. Dan I'm Campbell. changing
0: mine to Kevin O'Connor. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, <laughs> i totally no. no, no, no. Um,
1: Ryan, fucking Homer.
0: All right, we're gonna we're gonna end up debating this a little bit till we get to a consensus. So you're on MCDC. Uh, so Dan Campbell, who uh, we all love, Dan Campbell, your fantastic job with the Lions' defense wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, absolutely improvements. Players want to run through a brick wall for him. They're fun. They're fun to watch. Not enough bad things or good things. Like not
2: in the playoffs. Bad. That's the only reason why he's he's not exactly. in the playoffs. One
0: went away. Um, Dan, you want you uh, went Brian Dable. I went Brian Dable. This one, this Popular one's tough, one.
2: um, because I, I, I debated between him, your pick, and Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Nick Siriano. Um, there's, it, it, and then of course you know Kyle Shanahan and shit like that. But Dabo to me was was dealt the worst hand. Um, yeah. one of the worst, w- one of the worst rosters in football, especially in offense. Oh yeah, Daniel Jones wasn't was an absolute. I wouldn't call him a dumpster fire. That might be an insult to dumpster fires, but he like he was bad, you know, t- massively turnover prone, um, lost in direction. And, and just would be an
0: insult to dumpster
2: fire. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then just what um just what Gettleman had left had left over. And to take that team, because the defense always had key pieces, especially after the draft, after them adding, you know, a Dibido. Uh, you know, to the you know to their pass rush, it, it, it to get this team and to get the offense and really get Daniel Jones to become more of a game manager esque, almost like a not quite as game manager, not turnover guy, Alex Smith because you still get the rushing upside with them too, but to turn him into one that can you know protect the football that can still lead the offense, and to get this team into the postseason. And they have it locked. They have their playoff burke locked before week 18. It's a lot of the same reasons why we'll probably talk about with Doug Peterson too. It's to get this team to perform when they need it to the most. Um, That's why I think Dabble should, I, I think I don't think there's one runaway pick here. Like I think some people may think, but no. there, there's no. a lot of better picks and the one, and unfortunately I don't think either of these guys will actually win it, which is, a sad thing because it typically goes to the team with the best record, or the best offense, or with the best quarterback. Like how the actual MVP tends to be. So, congrats, Andy Reid. You're gonna fucking probably
0: get it. I
2: haven't
1: even paid attention to who. I'm
0: gonna look that up now.
1: Oh, well, like the odds uh, for Coach of the Year.
0: No, the historical.
1: I actually have
2: no clue, but I I I don't think their team. Their team records are going to be strong enough. I don't think so. it was, Wild card teams are going to get that nod. I think it's got to well, be probably one of the best you're, records.
0: Uh, you're right. It was. It's usually newcomers too. It was Rabel last year at twelve and five. It was Stefanski the year before with the Browns at eleven and five. It was John Harbaugh with the Ravens at fourteen and two in 2019. uh Matt Nagy in his first year at the Bears at twelve and four. Sean McVay with the Rams at 11 and five, Jason Garrett, 13 and three Ron Rivera twice with the Panthers, uh, Bruce Arians, the Cardinals. So it's a lot of times like just looking at this, it's a newer coach on a team that won double digit games,
2: which I mean, the giants went what 11 and five. I'm sorry. 11 and six, 11 and six. Yeah. Doug Peterson went nine and eight. Oh no.
1: 11, five and one.
2: That's right. Giants tie. The
1: tie. Yes. yes. Eleven, five,
2: yeah. and one. So double could. I, I. I. think
0: he
1: very with, well could. Yes.
2: With Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, and the Nick Siriano. I think those are probably your three that will probably get it. Think, yeah, Nick Sirianni way. overseeing. Nick Sirianni. couldn't say Yes. Yeah. I'm used
0: to do it. Me. I didn't correct you. That's why. I know. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. Um doing what he did with the progression of Jalen Hurts and that offense and the Eagles into a juggernaut, I think is deserving Shanahan. It seems like every year you see this magic trick where, you know, they're down to their fifth running back and third quarterback and 18th wide receiver or whatever. And they're still competitive and they're still in games and they're still winning games. Like you could argue for Shanahan every year because of how he's just able to overcome that seemingly every season.
2: So your two best odds actually Brian Dable and Nick
0: and Nick Siriani. Nice. Yeah. I did I did have Doug Peterson as mine. I'm gonna to switch to Dable, uh, just because he was my second option anyway. And we can that way we can get consensus. I almost put him down, but I knew that was the popular choice. Um Doug Peterson taking the shit show that was Urban Meyer. Um, a year of Trevor Lawrence being set back, a year of that roster being setback um, and going not just for worst but a shit show of worst um, to playoffs I think is a very very good job coaching wise from what what Peterson was able to do to get uh, Trevor Lawrence to progress after a year being set back to get um, you know the most out of that offense to get that defense to overperform I think he did a, a masterful job there also want to give a shout out to Um, Mike McDaniel in Miami, if you listen to how he coaches, how he's worked with Tua and everything, I, it's, it's hard to ignore the job that he did. And then Ron Rivera in Washington, I think, uh, keeping that team ready to play and competitive with also not a great roster under all of the bullshit that happens in a Dan Snyder run organization. Um, and for that really to feel like it was separate from football, because of how well Rivera was able to keep his guys focused and everything, I think is a a testament to him. So special shout out to, to McDaniel Rivera. Uh, I'm going to flip over to Dable though, from Peterson.
2: I'll give my shout out to KOC to get a Vikings team
0: to 13 wins. Yeah.
2: And And to be able to take a team that was historically the last two years, one of the worst teams in one score games to a perfect record this year to get this at times to get this team to actually perform when they needed to even despite the bad, you know, the few bad games and bad halves that they've had this year. It's uh, a lot of playoff games are one score games. We'll just say that.
0: Sweet. All right, Brian Dable uh, congratulations on your, Coach of the Year Award presented by Fantasy Faceoff Ryan Miner, or the FF Face-Off, Ryan Miner will be uh, putting that trophy in the mail for you.
1: <laughs> I'll hand deliver it.
0: The golden handcuffs. <laughs> hand, hand deliver, hand you'll, deliver you'll it.
1: You'll drive over to New yeah. Jersey. Here you Driving go, buddy. New Jersey. Here you go, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, Brian Dable.
0: Um, universal again, because you don't get to do and. You don't get to pick two, so I'm taking the first one on the list.
1: Well, that's an uh, honorable mention. Okay, that's well, fair. That's, that's firm. fair.
0: Uh the beer fuel, the golden handcuffs for what the fuck scandal slash arrest of the year. Uh Dan Snyder across the board. Yeah. Is, yeah. It, is this second year in a row for Snyder? No, I think A B won it last it? year. I think A B did get it last year. I think yeah. you're right. For his meltdown and everything. So Dan Snyder. Um, and the ticket scandal and sexual assault scandals and the I've got so much shit on the other owners scandals and then I'm not selling and now I think they are selling and yeah. Worst are to do some money
1: laundering there. Right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely.
1: So. And then Antonio Brown for honorable mention just because the way he just keeps acting and doing things and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's it's not a laughing matter it like, it's, it's very sad it, it, you know it really like his is. mental health is like screwed up it's like I don't know what's wrong with this guy a lot of things But like I keep seeing like more things come out on him now I'm like oh my god like there's like this sending photos to some young boy like teenage boy mm-hmm. that I just read I'm like oh my god what the hell's wrong with this guy
0: all right yeah anyway congratulations Dan Snyder um we're not sending you anything because you would just... I see and in the letter and maybe yeah.
2: maybe some yeah. poison. I'm just You're, kidding. We wouldn't your that. lawyer will deliver it to you'll, we'll you'll be, you. You'll be served
0: card. it. We'll give you a $25 gift card to your lawyer.
1: <laughs> and a vanilla envelope.
0: We'll pay it forward. A vanilla yeah. one, too. Yeah. Did he say vanilla envelope? It's flavored? Vanilla. We're giving No. Them, we're giving them flavored envelopes. <laughs>
1: Eh, whatever he's into, you know, it's a scratch what? and sniff, it's part of the scandal. <laughs> it's, and sniff. it's a scratch <laughs> and sniff
0: envelope, that's the name of the show. It's a scratch and sniff. <laughs> uh, the Tom Brady, what is dead may never die. Blair, you thought was done, but isn't. Um, I'm gonna go and start this one. We are all three different here, so gonna take some convincing. Minus Tyler Lockett, um, everybody, everybody love the Seattle wide receivers for dead this year they were way down draft boards dk was was down there lockett was down there and very quietly because i saw no love for him really at all throughout the season tyler lockett went out nine touchdown season season over a thousand yards 117 targets on 84 receptions by some metrics the second best season of his career he did miss one game uh he was good enough to finish as the wide receiver is a wide receiver one in ppr he was 12th overall um, continues to maintain the elite win rate and separation rate at thirty years old that, that made him good and made him a breakout candidate when uh when Doug Baldwin left. Um, just consistent, consistent, consistent. That's my favorite type of fantasy player. You know, I was worried about the drop off and it, it 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 did not happen at all. There was no drop off there. Um, you likely got him at a very, very good value. In the draft after the Seattle offense in general was was left for dead. He's not flashy. He just grinds it out and is consistent every year. Um, so uh mine is going to to Tyler Lockett. But two Seahawks and a bunch of touchdowns. So other Seahawks or a bunch of touchdowns, whoever wants to go next.
1: I'll go a bunch of touchdowns. Go go ahead, Ryan. All right. My pick was Jerick McKinnon. And the reason why I went with Jerry McKinnon is because this whole backfield was just a shit show for the majority of the season until about week 14, actually it was week 14, when Jerry McKinnon actually blew up for over 32 fantasy points and finished as the RB1 for that week. So not only did he finish RB1 that week, but he also did RB, in RB1 week 15 and RB7 week 17 to win your fantasy championship. So... For a player who I, everyone compared to in his Minnesota days as the Adrian Peterson, you know, the mm-hmm. next Adrian Peterson to come up, Matt Kelly player profile did. That was as comparable. There's no, no, nope, no. Nope, yeah, back a, in the day. No,
0: nope. it might it have been, but that's not a yeah. good It
2: may
1: have been, but that's a horrible, in. yeah, that, that's well, a horrible. That, that, was
0: really,
1: <laughs> that yeah. would make but, like, God, yeah. he, like he, he had, like, you know, he always had, like, those, like, fantasy appearances where he had that one good game, and then everyone would go pick him up on waiver wares, and then he never do anything ever again. Same thing with San Francisco. Everyone was all excited, and then he got, he got towards ACL then. And then here, it's like, you know, last year he didn't do that great, and this year he finally showed up here at the end. So it's like, it, it worked in the offense. It's going to work in this playoffs. Like, I think he's going to be actually the RB1 for them next year, and he was someone that you actually got off the waiver wire. He wasn't anyone that was actually drafted in most leagues. Yeah,
0: throwing it back to McKinnon. Um, my reasons for for not going McKinnon were, I think, one consistency. So, um, for waiver wire pickup, you can really go any point for consistency or for, you know, what is dead may never die. I like consistently high performing throughout the year. McKinnon did finish as a top two running back though, He had nine freaking touchdowns or not a top two, a top 24. He had nine freaking touchdowns. Um, But also, I might—I am definitely in the minority here, but I never thought McKinnon was dead. I jumped on the Seattle receivers are dead. I was very, very much on the, I think after what McKinnon did in the playoffs last year, he might be the Kansas City running back you ultimately want to end up with. And it took 14 weeks, but it ended up being right.
1: Yeah, but how many seasons has uh, Jarek McKinnon been in the league? And it's kind of been like... 2013? Yeah, 2013,
0: 14. and he's had, I think... 2014. He missed several years due to injury.
1: Yeah, 2018 through 2019, he didn't play. So, yeah.
0: my my one concern, my
2: my one reason why McKinnon was the RB 49 in PPR from weeks 1 through 11.
0: Yeah. And so, then, granted,
2: uh, I, I understand the playoffs is going to put a lot of emphasis on, on his finish and why he should be up there. And 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 what fits for this category, but he was effectively a ghost of himself. He was pretty. He he was literally dead until week twelve. Until until you know, you know, Clyde was effectively banged up, done for the year because they kept riding. He was a first round pick, so we got to continue to ride him. Pacheco can't catch a football. He is literally there in between the tackles, guy, and that's it. Yeah, and they they found their Damien Williams, and I've rolled McKinnon in a lot of leagues because I I wanted a piece just like the Niners' backfield. I always want a piece of the Chiefs' backfield, so little more little more production first off. Obviously, he had one touchdown prior to that, but he was he was effectively a free agent for for most people until until probably after the Cincinnati game until it you know, became apparent, but even then, right. Only during from weeks from his breakout weeks from week 12 and on only two games over 50% snap share. So like, again, he's not someone you are going to play because of the offense, but he's, he was never a true on RB two because you couldn't trust the actual, you know, is he going to get enough touches in this offense to survive or, you know, to be able to produce, which thankfully he did, Um which goes to show that the chiefs really should give him more work, but
0: uh, it's hyper-efficiency at the end too, I think it was like, I think we it took was on the hunt role too. something like-, like 70 carries by the end of the year. He had nine receiving touchdowns and one with day. Yeah. Game it it over tank.
2: yeah it, it, it's, it, it's his touch count, which was high. He was mm-hmm. essentially another Austin Eckler with, with less carries. All right. So mine we're gonna go with the person that threw Tyler Lockett the football, and that's Geno Smith. This one I had a tough time trying to figure out what I wanted to do here. Geno oh. pretty much was effectively dead. Tyler Lockett was dominant. You know, he was he was a household name. I, I, I understand why he's on here.
0: Tyler Lockett, we just thought was dead. Geno Smith was actually
2: dead for some reason. G- yes, Geno Smith was on multiple teams as backups, the Giants, the Jets, the Chargers. But well, he dropped by the Jets, but, but the Giants and Chargers like he he jumped around on teams. He was brought in to back up Russell Wilson. Then he had a fight for a shop against Shrewlock, which I don't know how much of a fight it was. And and while Gino wasn't a dominant it was a QB, it's
0: a rat battle. whatever
2: <laughs> if he's doing a single line to Young Jeezy, he would have totally lost. But what you got from Gino Smith is was it fourteen games, double digit touchdowns? I think he had. 14 oh, or double
0: digit touchdowns. Uh, double. Well, <laughs> yeah, four, yeah, double. 14 games of Multiple touchdowns passing, yeah. <laughs> all right. Multiple. Yeah, he got ABD you know, RBU. 180 <laughs> touchdowns this year. So many.
2: Multiple. <laughs> multiple <laughs> passing touchdowns. I think he had it was right around 13. He had above 12 or 13 are, or, uh, QB1 finishes on the season. So he was not only he was a viable streamer he, almost each from game in and game out. It, it, it it's I think he is the the poster child for what is dead may never die, outside of you know Frank Gore because he always was productive regardless of what of what team he was on. Geno Smith was literally probably on his couch waiting for the call. And it came in on an offense that literally nobody thought was gonna be any good. Like this offense was completely dunked and shit on and Geno Smith was a part of that. We were wondering why Drew Locke wasn't gonna get the actual start because there's some upside to him and, and, and his you know future compared to, we already knew who Geno Smith was and, but we didn't, th- we had no fucking clue that that was completely proved wrong. And, and congrats to them. I mean, really congrats to Detroit for not allowing Green Bay to make it, but you know, congrats to Seattle for, you know, for they were
0: supposed to be the worst. Team
2: they were supposed to be t- right up there with Houston and Chicago as the worst as the three worst teams in football.
0: Shut up, B. Carroll. too, I guess?
2: Nah, yeah, fuck him. But he could no. admit it, but Yeah, it's true. He he, and that defense and and Smith was really the backbone of that offense.
0: Um, I find it you make it really. I find it really really hard to to argue with Geno Smith, especially when he was the guy throwing my guy throwing throwing my guy the football, and was actually dead for several
1: years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And everyone, everyone was scared of that team.
2: You should call yeah. it the DD Westbrook Award. Oh, man. That's oh. a true callback. Episode like four.
0: DD Westbrook's floor. DD Westbrook's
2: floor. Oh, man. Turns out there
0: was no ceiling. So, oh Oh.
2: He had his moments. Moment. He had his moments. Moment. He had his
0: moments. Um, any objections? To just giving that one to Gino? No, no, I none. Okay, me. okay,
1: I think it's he made compelling he, argument. He made the playoffs and uh, Russell Wilson didn't. So, yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> it, it's uh, it's a whole Seattle it's, effort, uh, man. It, it
0: really, it's real hard to argue with the guy that was throwing my guy the football. Yeah. So. All right. The Chris Carson Steel of the year, waiver pickup or late round pickup of the year, named after Chris Carson. Rest in peace, his career. Unfortunately, ended had to do the injury, but named after him because it seemed like for years in a row, Chris Carson was always the guy you're grabbing off of waivers or, or late in drafts. It was just consistent, even though you never expected him to be. So, um, you know, late round steal or waiver pickup of the year. And Dan, we'll start with you.
2: Evan Ingram. This one I also really struggled with um, just because I, I was trying to figure out who who was actually late-round steals and what actual waiver pickups were going to be good this year. And, and the fact that Evan Ingram pretty much was a waiver pickup, I think that's why I wanted to go the route that I did. Um, look, it, it's a Doug Peterson offense. It's no shocker that the tight end got involved. Evan Ingram, a, a, you know, he was a first-round pick. Hyper athletic. Obviously, he was kind of the the new-ish, uh Jimmy Graham when he was drafted by the Giants. Move, you know, he was a move slot tight end with with real no upside as a blocker because of his thin of his thinner frame at the time when he was drafted. So, but to re- re- really speak on him on Ingram as a producer in, in a year, if he didn't have Travis Kelsey, you were kind of fucked at the tight end spot. Ingram found his moments to shine. The consistency wasn't always great, but it, then again, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, what consistency is really much there? But like McKinnon, with Brian talked about up uh, about him in the previous category, Evan Ingram really came on in the back half of the season. He had multiple weeks of double-digit targets, multiple weeks of over 100 yards receiving. He has. A four week stress from weeks 13 through 16 is a top five finish, top six ish finish with the tight end one finish over 39 points, almost 40 points in one week. So, I, I, I don't think he'll get he'll win this spot because you know, tight ends are kind of a dime a dozen at this point. You know, when it comes to streaming, but more of a shout out to Ingram and just more of a shout out to the fact that a guy that. What is Edmund Never Die? Actually found his his spot and, and and really somebody you should probably start looking at in Dynasty. Cause I think the long term potential in this offense with Doug Peterson, Evan Ingram is gonna be someone you should look at, especially if you need tight ends, especially in you know, tight end premium type of leagues.
0: All right. Fine, well, just- Who wants to go? Go ahead, Ryan. Ryan.
1: I say mine was Justin Fields, but what he did, like, it sucks though because I drafted him in a lot of leagues and I was thinking like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll hold him for a few weeks and then see what he does. And then what was it? Five weeks in, I I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm dropping him. He's not doing anything. then here he shows up week eight against uh, Dallas and puts up 30 points to follow it by back-to-back QB one in week nine and ten. With over fifty points, and I think he did fifty points in both games, where he had uh over almost one hundred fifty yards rushing and two touchdowns. And uh, against Detroit before that, one hundred seventy-eight yards and one touchdown. And like what you what you picked him up for was just like he was almost like that Tim Tebow, in a way where like he wouldn't do the pass efficiency, but he'd have the rushing ability, and that rushing ability is what helped you help me win quite a few games when I picked him up.
2: Lamar Jackson. He is. Yeah. it's rookie. You're Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially like against Detroit. I mean, like Detroit just left them like wide open in the backfield. Like, go ahead and do what you got to do. I mean, you know, you're not going to throw it. You're going to run it. So we're just going to wait for you to run. So, he, but he's still able to get over 132 yards again against the, the Lions. So, but he also went seven for 21. So I can't complain about that. But yeah, I like uh, Fields. I think he's definitely going to improve. I mean, with what he did compared with what he had. Is to a, a whole new, like a whole nother story because you you shouldn't produce this kind of fancy points with no players, but he did using his legs.
0: Couldn't figure out why this beer didn't taste like what I thought I poured, and, and then I realized I poured the wrong tap, <laughs> which explains why it tastes like banana runs instead of Scottish light. <laughs> it's a pretty big difference, yeah. Uh, yeah, between a dunkle Wise and a Scottish Light, a little different, a little different, little just a little bit different. Not really what I was going for, but you know, it's already in the glass, so we'll drink it. I was on Ramondre Stevenson, um, late round pick or waiver pickup for a lot of people, finishes the RB8 overall basically as a late round draft pick or a waiver wire grab. Um, at a position that as Dan mentioned earlier, it's really, really hard to find players out that, that hit. It's even harder to find a wire-to-wire, damn near consistent player late in the draft or on waivers. Um, but RB8 overall, uh, he saw 89 targets. So PPR leagues, especially there, nearly 1,500 scrimmage yards overall on on overall regressed offense at a position with very, very little depth. Actually, the next closest running back waiver wire pickup was Derek McKinnon, and he was the RB nineteen, um, over eleven positions lower. Everybody else between them, uh, essentially was was drafted, not available on waivers. Um, and McKinnon did it as mentioned on nine touchdowns, without a lot of consistency, and really didn't take off until week fourteen. You know, Stevenson had his his injury issues. You know, with quarterbacks, you are gonna get streamers week in week out. Yes, a lot of rushing upside to fields. But you're going to get streamers week in and week out. But with running backs, if something happens that you didn't draft, you're a lot of times less scrambling or you're hoping for an injury and you're getting somebody like Foreman that is going to give you several good weeks or Herbert early in the year when Montgomery was out. But to find somebody that is a week in, week out starter late in the draft or on waivers, like you're able to do with Stevenson this year, is exceedingly rare. So for that reason, Um, he is my late rounder or waiver pickup because he's the one running back. You can say this year, if you gambled on him wire to wire, you're in good shape. And that is such a thin position to be able to get somebody that's going to finish top 10 for next to nothing.
2: If only he had a better playoff stretch, but I I think I may, I may, he was going to be my pick. I wanted to go different. So we can have some conversation, yeah. And I really wanted to give a shout out to Ingram. That's why I picked Ingram. Fields was also awesome. like like it was between Fields. There's and not SCSA. a bad
0: pick here. No.
2: Yeah. No. They all. Good. They all basically finished. All I mean, it's Stevenson, not well, top you, five, but I mean, really, he, he 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 was an RB one. Like all it, all three yeah. of these guys were, were top twelve at their positions. Top five for both Ingram and Fields. So, so. I'll give the not I'll give my nod to Stevenson just awesome. because of position scarcity.
0: Yeah. Evan Ingram is also, I will give this to Ingram too. That is a scarce position to be able to get somebody for, for damn near free. That's going to perform. And it and at he level. he was pretty much free, especially oh, yeah. it took, a. I think the biggest difference there is it took a bit for him too. He picked up about mid season down the stretch and really took off. Um. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: He was a player I even picked up and he helped me win a league.
0: Yeah. I drafted him. He helped me finish not well in that league.
1: <laughs> not his fault.
0: Uh comeback player of the year. So this is a return from injury or ineffectiveness. You guys both went CMC. I'm good with that. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to Barkley because a lot like CMC, um, you know, he didn't return to his former elite self, but I'd kind of my take on Barkley has always been that. You know, probably were never gonna get rookie year Saquon again, but you could get back to sophomore year Saquon and be totally fine with it because that was a top five or six running back. That's exactly what he did this year. You know, McCaffrey bounced back to be, I think he was the RB one, wasn't he? RB two. RB two. Yeah. Um that's right. Um, so McCaffrey bouncing back to To take the RB2, I do think takes precedence, but I had Jacobs just because I wanted to give a nod, or not Jacobs, that's later. I had Barkley just because I wanted to give a nod uh, to Barkley for also bouncing back from injury and back into top five prominence.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're both guys. I I, I heavily drafted both of them.
0: I think a lot of people did because they were a better value than they're ever going to be.
2: Barkley was the better value, especially early on. I mean, th- CMC was always generally consensus top three running back and really top two. He's always my RB1 throughout the entire process. Um, He just kind of paid off, especially after the move to San Francisco where a lot of people started to come sour on him because of the whole how is he going to fit into their scheme, especially with a lot more better playmakers to it. And and, and while there were some downer weeks there, he uh, his, his rise towards the end of their year was – was pretty massive
0: yeah no disagreement there that trade of the 49ers really kicked mccaffrey into gear
1: It did it was awesome
0: yeah it's, it, that and
2: mitchell kind of going down kind of helped a little bit but uh, i think that would have happened no matter
0: what all right christian mccaffrey your comeback player of the year award is is in the mail we'll have some we'll send some intern writer to do it to send that off or <laughs> however that works
2: intern some, writer somebody
0: that's in the chat group that has never written an article in their life will uh so dan dan will be sending you yeah. a new award. <laughs> <laughs> at least we podcast kind of for them yeah um from out of nowhere breakout player of the year so this is somebody nobody pegged as a breakout that jumped out to be uh, a breakout, and again, three good options here. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: Jamal Williams, man, Detroit oh, Lion man. running back, homer pick there. So yeah, go ahead. Seventeen rushing touchdowns though for the season. Two of them against uh the Green Bay Baby. Packers. Yeah, but I was, trying, I was trying to see if he did it twice. Uh, he did it. No, uh, he, he, did, he did not do it against them twice. No, no, He only did once. it just in the last game. But, I mean, he was just a touchdown machine. It was just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And it's like he was one of those running backs that no one drafted. Or if he did draft him, it was super late. And he got to the point where he was actually an RB1 and starting in lineups. And then he went on his drought of no touchdowns. And then the ends of the season again with touchdown streak. <laughs>
2: literally the Garrett blunt like the amount of one yard touchdown runs it's 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 um it's impressive oh yeah that's exactly what it was speaking of the touchdown
1: runs too like all those touchdown runs I think he had six from the one yard line yeah that's what I'm saying yeah and I think a lot of those were like passes where the receiver got tackled at the one and he just punched it in so think how much better Jared Goff could have been in fantasy knowing (laughs) that those one yard touchdowns weren't (laughs) To Jamal Williams and we went to Jared uh, Goff instead.
2: Yeah, but Jamal Williams but is also
1: it's also a national treasure. We have to protect him. Oh my god, he's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, hey. he he's, he's if there's like personality of the year, I'm giving it to Jamal Williams. And every down. Oh yeah, it'd be every like year probably Jamal Williams and Mike McDaniel. They they were in the running for that. Maybe MCDC, but yeah. Either way, all right. I'm talking, so I'll go. Josh Jacobs was, <laughs> was my pick. Um finishes the overall running back three. Uh previous years he was 12, 8, and 23. I don't think anybody expected his touch volume to bloom up to 340 uh, rush attempts and you know, just this otherworldly amount of bell cow that he hadn't been in the past. But not only did he do it, he stayed healthy while doing it. Um Probably more blow up games than any other player. Um and yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that it was increased workload that got it. That was always the knock on on Jacobs. And what we kind of thought kept him from being good was that there was always something, Kenyon Drake, nagging it. Isamir White. Isamir White, yeah. Nagging it. That workload and getting involved in that workload and keeping him from being a true bell cow, they gave him true bell cow work this year, and that increase led to an RB three finish. It wasn't, you know, we know touchdowns are fluky. I love Jamal Williams to death. Like Garrett Blunt's the only one that consistently put together fantasy seasons on back to back double digit touchdowns. Aaron Jones has proved over the last three years that they're fluky.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, again, much love to Jamal Williams. No hate there. Uh, But touchdowns are fluky. So for Jacobs to do it, yeah, touchdowns matter. But for him to do it on the strength of increased workload and not just a bunch of goal line carries to me uh, to propel him to an RB3 finish, yeah, that was not anything I was expecting. I was expecting him to hang out, you know, back in one and just be good.
1: Jacobs was like, what was my player? I was like, I was avoiding in all drafts, too. I don't think
0: anybody was predicting a Josh Jacobs
1: breakout. No.
2: No, I mean, it, especially with how many people were were touting Samir White. Not me, I hate Samir White, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 like the sad thing was, it was always fucking running backs. So it should, they should have never gotten as much passing work. I know, you know, we joke about how much we like Kenyon Drake, but Drake, Jacob should have always commanded more from him. Amir Abdullah, you know, you know. The theoretics of the world, Jacobs is uh number one in opportunities here. That's what shocks me the most. Yeah, in a team that and this may be more of a a nod to Josh McDaniels. It's probably the likely reason why he just stuck with his best running back and it it worked for him. Um, I'll no, no, I'm talking, I'll, I'll 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 jump into mine, which shouldn't win. But I, I, I gotta give a shout out to a guy that literally got shit on by everybody. Daniel Jones. Um he's a QB one. He was a high end QB streamer, eighteen points or so per game. He was part of that 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 high end streamer category he had six uh top five finishes at the QB position, including the second best uh finish or based on some scorings to the number one QB and the most important week in fantasy football, your championship week in a game in a must win scenario in which I, I, I benched him for Brock Purdy, but still one, thankfully, but, um, oh, who Jones, a lot like Brian Dable is, it, it, it just really came along this year. It's going to get probably a bridge contract. That's going to keep him in New York to see if, if he can continue to further progress, is he going to become the next Josh Allen? No, but the giants are continuing to to, add in more weapons to this team in the off season. I fully expect that through the draft, and Jones and himself. It, it, it's, it's very clear that he, his rushing ability is rushing upside and being able to actually produce as a passer, given the shit show of receivers, he threw to Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodges, Richie James. Like he didn't make his heyday with, with some of the best in the league. He literally took a comparable level to what Justin Fields threw at and was able to find a lot of success to it. So I had to give a shout out to Jones here. My pick was always going to be Josh Jacobs. So, so yeah, I just like it, it, like to me, like as Hopper mentioned, you know, with the argument to Jamal Williams, I don't, I don't reward on just one yard touchdown runs. That as should much as always... we love
0: Jamal Williams, he's gonna be. A I, fan. I
2: love him as a person. Those should yeah. have always gone to DeAndre Swift. <laughs> like just, oh, yeah. just give him the one fucking player and be and be done with it. It should not be fucking around w- with this. But shout out to Jamal though. In 17 touchdowns, is pretty nuts.
1: Well, he always and, had, and he always had double digit t- carries at every game too. Yeah, a lot of one. He uh, he is
2: basically the doom and gloom to your favorite running back, whether it's yeah. Aaron Jones or DeAndre Swift. He is going to command touches. And wherever he goes next, because he is a free agent this year, Godspeed to whoever the running back is there. If he goes to the Raiders and they somehow resign Josh Jacobs, because <laughs> I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. He's going, he's, he's going to Philly. Jamal Williams. Huh. Hmm. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there now. Jamal Chasing Williams the money.
0: Yeah, Josh Jacobs is.
2: Jamal Williams. I can see Josh Jacobs going to Philly too, but Bears, I
0: think Bears, too. Bears are going to sign Josh Jacobs as David Montgomery's replacement. They got a bunch of little cats. He's got to. They <laughs> got to spend money. They yeah. have
2: to spend money. So yeah, wise, yeah, in a bad wide receiving class for you know for free agents, might as well overpay at running back.
0: That's kind of where I'm at. Might as well overpay at running back and use it on some defensive players because you've actually got some he, good players out there. The RPO
2: would kill it with fields. So I will say that oh. and. Improved oh, yeah. offensive line, hopefully, but the art. I mean, David Montgomery and Kill Herbert. The Bears had one of the best rushing attacks in football. Now, actually, put in a running back that's showing some durability, plus upside. Now, with with being able to handle every touch volume. Yeah.
0: Oof. Yeah, be fun. All right, fantasy football most valuable player. Uh, shout out to you, whoever we just gave that to. I think it was Josh Jacobs. Shout out, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, yeah it was Josh Jacobs fantasy football mvp um go ahead dan cuz you're the the oddball here
2: yeah again look i understand why you guys went where you were right the 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 difference between the number 1 spot and the number yeah, 2 it's spot a difference in it, scoring it, that is it's literally scoring. the reason why this player should be there eckler is more so Again, the importance of running back position is is a floor this year. In actual fantasy games, was eleven points, and that was in week one. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games of twenty or more points, including the RB, the RB one through your two most important weeks in fantasy football in week sixteen and seventeen as the consensus fifth running back in 16 and the number one square running back in week 17, the most important week in your fantasy championships, including one, two, three, four. The RB one finishes. Austin Eckler basically took over for what McCaffrey was as the Chargers were, were, were always devoid of their receiving talent, whether it be missing Keenan Allen, missing Mike Williams, you know, having to rely on Josh Palmer and, DeAndre Carter and, you know, Gerald Everett to home the passing back, you know, to home that, that pass catching core. Eckler was always the guy week in and week out Had over, uh, had over a hundred total yards in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. It it, 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 he was the most consistent. He was the guy that you always leaned on. He was the offense. You he he literally wants that offense, you know? offense and and again we always you know you know come back to the importance of of hitting on your running backs and that's why Austin Eckler is mine but why don't you guys go ahead and wax about how important Travis Kelsey was to your championship runs and just how important he was to your fantasy team this year?
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and and go with it at first. I think that with fantasy, there's you know, a school of thought, which is basically, there's not a lot of difference between the tight end and the quarterback position most of the time. But when you get somebody that truly is a difference maker at that position, that can be what sets your roster apart on a week to week basis. If your tight end is consistently outscoring the other team's tight end by a lot, you automatically have an advantage. And the gap between one and two at tight end is bigger than the gap at any other position. Um, Travis Kelsey once again was uh, easily the tight end one was incredibly consistent week in and week out. You know, his floor was still tight end one. I don't think he had one game where he finished outside of the top 25 or the top 10 tight ends. Right. Maybe not even outside of the top eight, but I'm not going to go that far because I can't prove it. Um, 1,300 receiving yards, double-digit touchdowns. Again, you're basically running a wide receiver one out there at the tight end position. You're getting an extra wide receiver one in your lineup by having Travis Kelsey in your lineup. And not only that, the last several years, we've consistently seen two or three tight ends that were performing at that level. This year, he was the only one. Yeah. Um, So to me, that's MVP-worthy
1: just like you said, Hopper ended like that being that difference maker in some leagues, he scored as much as a hundred points over tight end two and tight end two is TJ Hawkinson. So everyone who drafted Mark Andrews and George Kittle, you got, you know, some good games from Mark Andrews. And then George Kittle came in hot later on in the season, but Travis Kelsey was that week to week winner for you. And he carried a lot of teams to the championships. And once, but once again, he did the same thing he did last year, which was he kind of stalled out as you made it towards that playoff run. Once you're in the playoffs, he kind of just, he was finishing more as a back end tight end one. He didn't, wasn't scoring touchdowns, but he had 152 targets, 110 receptions, 13, 38 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, just like Hop said that, that is a wide receiver one being in being put, played at the tight end position. The next closest tight end was Hawkinson at 914 yards.
0: He was eighth in receiving yards, second in receiving touchdowns. Um, second only to Devontae Adams in receiving touchdowns was just behind Jalen Waddell in receiving yards, to put that into perspective. Six
2: points higher than per Hawkinson game. in the point per game. That yeah, that is game. That that's is that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a Astronomical. <laughs> But you know, the cost to get Kelsey, you know, generally was a, you know, a, a first and second round pick. So
0: you're paying for him, but you're also, yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're paying for him, but you're paying. His he was worth it this worth year. Now looking for at him. It. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, he was always going to be worth it. Like even yeah. if Mark Andrews and that Ravens offense had stayed Don't healthy. Me on Andrews. I mean, again, it, yeah Andrews is always going to be part of that, but that offense took a shit, you know, a Kittle. Being the best plea tight in football never helps his his fantasy production because there are games where he's going to be kept in the block, especially yeah. when they, especially when Debo and Iuuk are both so the healthy. Problem
0: with being good at everything and having other receiving <sighs> options on your team. I love that man which, so much. Not that Kansas City doesn't have other receiving options. It's just Kittle's not the primary. Nobody's they, the primary no. in San Francisco.
2: That's that's yeah. It's going to be Kelsey. Like yeah. I still get it. I still I will always give it to general. I will generally always give it to the RB one. It's just it how, how important the how how important the position is as a whole. But you know, you need Kelsey six points per game higher than anybody else. Almost a hundred points, per, you know, more yeah, than the second it, one. Yeah.
0: That point and differential it, is different yeah. than it's been in any other year we've done this. Kelsey's always been in the top three, but that point differential was so much more this year than it's been any other year.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yep. freaking nuts.
0: Best ball MVP.
2: Best right. ball MVP, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, that's the show. FFFaceoff.com um, for all of whatever people are writing there right now, which I'm assuming is a lot of season wrap-up and rookie stuff. Um,
1: I just came out with Dynasty Stashes, so check it out.
0: That's convenient, because I think we're going to go into Dynasty content next week, even though I don't know specifically what we're going to talk about. I'll have to message you guys that when I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're either going to look at just generic stashes or we'll do the uh, another common stapler of our offseason where we go back through the last three years of rookie classes, working oldest to newest. So um, we might be looking at the, what would it be, 2019 rookie class? Uh, 2020
2: is the final year. 19. So 2021 20, and then the rookie 22. class Holy
0: this shit. Year, Yeah. Wow, I guess we're on 2020. Right now, okay, so we'd be probably looking at 2020 next year for for dynasty values as we work through those three rookie classes. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Beerfield Hop, Beerfield F, uh, Beerfield Podcast on Twitter. It'll probably be Beerfield FF again here in a couple weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, catch you later.
1: See you guys. See ya.